And we are back on CITR 101.9. You just heard Young James in studio. Thanks again, youngjames.bandcamp.com. And you heard Ray Spoon of Ocean Blue. Uh, I actually interviewed uh, Ray Spoon about their collection of short stories, uh, First Spring Grass Fire, which is loosely autobiographical, uh, maybe a autobiographical fiction, if you will, and uh, you can check that out. I believe that's from Arsenal Press, and you can also check out our interview uh, with them on October 10th of 2012's episode of The Arts Report. You can actually win a copy and a whole bunch of really cool uh, Arsenal books at the silent auction tonight. So come down and bid on that and raise a little more money. Get us closer to that. Another just under $5,000 to go to get to our $30,000 goal. We're very, very excited and hopeful. It looks really good for us, so we appreciate all your help. So we have now come uh, on the line... Uh, Nicole from the F Word Media Collective. Nicole, are you there? I am. Hi, Megan. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Well, um, the CITR family is woefully lacking uh, at this point a explicitly feminist, uh, though we have lots of great feminists, uh, explicitly feminist program. So I thought I would reach out to some of the programs around town and Co-op has some amazing social justice and um, activist uh, programming that you should definitely check out Co-op Radio um, uh, in Vancouver. So uh, Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the uh, F Word Media Collective and a little bit about what your show focuses on? We're going to hear an example episode coming up, but I'd love to hear from you. Sure. Well, um, the F Word's been broadcasting since 2007 here at Co-op Radio, um, even though Co-op has, has uh, really supported feminist content always since it mm-hmm. started uh, 37, 38 years ago now. Um, but our group, um, we got together, uh, a group of women we met in 2006 at a feminist conference and felt quite uh, disconnected from uh, other feminists we, and each of us independently kind of came out with stories about how we felt that in our lives, most people around us didn't really agree with us about our politics and and the things that we saw going on. And so we were feeling isolated and feeling like a lot of uh, the women's organizations that were out there were, we were not connecting with them and somehow that that wasn't working. Um, So we started our own group and after about a year or so, ended up applying for a show here at Co-op Radio and uh, fortunately got on the air pretty quickly. And since then, I mean, we've basically evolved into um, a collective where budding feminist journalists can come and learn how to become radio broadcasters. They can learn all the technical skills. They can uh, follow their own interests in terms of feminism, in terms of social justice issues, cover the topics that they're interested in. And we will provide <clears throat> all the training and give them the experience to have their voice. And uh, it's been a really incredible experience uh, being able to provide that. So at different times over the years, we've covered quite a range of topics because it depends who's in our collective at the time to some degree. I mean, we try to cover things that are current, and we try to make sure that we're... um, I mean, basically what we want to do is highlight issues that are relevant to feminism and relevant to what's going on right now because feminism is always evolving and changing. 
And uh, so we try to create a space where there can be open dialogue about that. And uh, of course, there's not a lot of spaces like that in media, and there's not a lot of spaces like that uh, in our world that are publicly accessible. A lot of them tend to be in universities or colleges mm-hmm. uh, rather than in the public. So a lot of people, even if they're interested in feminism <clears throat> or curious about it, have a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of things that they don't, uh, they just don't have the information because it's just not there. So mm-hmm. we try to provide that, we try to cover that, but realistically, um, you know, a lot of our topics are going to be uh, affected by who's on, who's contributing at the time and, and who's working within our group. And we really try to encourage people to follow their own interests and, mm-hmm. and uh, bring their own expertise from their own life or their own work uh, to what, what it is that they do uh, while they are working here with us. That's a space that Community Radio provides, I think, is something that... Um, sometimes is an ongoing discussion or something that can't be really summed up easily in a way that's sellable. Um, and these kind of changing political views that are contra the mainstream, which is kind of funny because, you know, around the world, we are the majority in terms of individuals of a certain gender. And so uh, it is the oppressed majority getting a little bit a little bit back in terms of time uh, in the media. Now, um recently i heard an episode that i really loved on uh breasts mm-hmm. uh that was a really good one talking about um the male gaze and um you can really learn a lot just from other people's learning experience about uh who they are and, and what their body means to society do you have any other recent favorites um that you think really sum up what you're doing there at the at the f word um <clears throat> Well, uh, I don't know if I have recent favorites. I, ha- I, I really like um, what everyone brings to the show. Mm-hmm, so, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we just had some... We've, one, of our, uh, one of our contributors who's been around for quite a long time is an athlete, and she does a lot of shows on uh, women, women in sports okay. and uh, different issues around gender and sports. And I always think that that's something that's uh, really interesting and unique to our show that a lot of uh, feminist shows don't cover. Um, of course, you know, we're always covering things around um, First Nations women's issues mm-hmm. here, and we're in the downtown east side of Vancouver, and of course that's always a, you know, a really big topic here, and especially in the last few years, it's been more and more out into in the media and in the public eye. Um, I don't know more, and you know, we usually do a, uh, an episode around feminism and Christianity in different uh, religious topics around Christmas mm-hmm. time, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of we do a lot of different stuff. We've done some stuff around uh, women in war and women's relationship to the military lately that I thought was really interesting as well. Cool. Now the other thing um, I just wanted uh, you to be able to do is give a bit of a shout out to the other programs on co-op that are uh, explicitly feminist. Now, I know there's like uh, the lesbian show um, that I listen to sometimes. Uh, are the, can you tell us a few more of the, of the shows that people should be listening to if they want to get their feminism on? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the women who are here are feminists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, the first shout-out I'll give is to, to Co-op Radio is that we have an all-women, all-feminist uh, staff collective. Mm. So we're, we're wow. I don't know, maybe one of the only media outlets in Canada or North America that's entirely run by women. Now, is that by design or is that something that happens? 
happen naturally because of the the atmosphere and uh, value system that you have there at co-op? Mm, I'd say there's an element of both. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't set out to only hire uh, women or feminist women, but I think that um, because of our focus, it is, you know, if the best candidate tends to, is, is a feminist woman, then we're going to we're going to grab her. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and hire her. Um, so not not entirely by design, no, but I think uh, we're thrilled about it. And uh, it definitely sets the tone, makes it very different here. And we're really proud to be doing something that's that uh, different from everybody else in media. Um, so as far as feminist content on shows, I mean, we air Wings, which is produced, um, you know, by Frida Bet. Yeah, and we're going to hear a little bit of that uh, later, too, after the episode that we have coming up on uh uh, RCMP and Aboriginal women. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so they always do good work. And um, like you said, the lesbian show Red Eye on Saturday mornings from 9 to noon, a really well-known, award-winning um, public affairs show that uh, has feminist content. And those are the only ones I'm thinking of offhand that would focus. There's the Iranian women's show at mm-hmm, 7 o'clock mm-hmm. on Tuesdays. Um that's great. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, there's honestly, there's not a lot of it. And one of the things that we're hoping to do is to, I mean, we're always, there are always women interested in working with us, which makes us really happy. And so our collective is always growing and changing. We also want to collaborate more with um, your station and uh, the SFU station as well. Yeah, and that's something that I think is um, really wonderful about uh, the atmosphere and, and community radio in Vancouver is that we have these kind of three main stations that are all very, very different. And so we can all kind of work together. We're not competing. I think I think we're cooperating. And I think that's uh, really the ultimate the ultimate value system that we all have is uh, progressive uh, cooperation. Well, that's what makes us all so different as as media right we're so different than commercial stations mm-hmm. and we don't need to be in competition with each other we can yeah. support each other's work and support common causes and uh, that's a wonderful thing and i think it changes everything that we do on air it changes how we interact with our guests it changes the topics that we choose it cha- we have a totally different kind of editorial freedom mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. people on commercial radio and um you know what we we don't have in terms of resources and kind of the sometimes the caliber of quality of production, um, we definitely make up for in the earnestness of our content and the and the passion that people have who are involved in community and campus radio. And I think the one thing to notice, and this is actually um, going to come up in an interview uh, later, tons of interviews this morning, very talk radio, and then we're going to get to some amazing music starting at 11 o'clock. Um, but uh, talking about there are you know lots of voices in the mainstream that are already doing you know male kind of the 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 idea of quality what quality sounds like um the very structural way that we decide what is valuable is coming from this very male-centric kind of capitalist centric not to get too heavy on you guys out there but it is rigged to a certain degree and so I think that when we talk about I always joke about oh it's college radio it's community radio there's going to be mess ups but I think also the value system that we have in place comes from a certain culture and I think that uh, we do produce uh, both technically uh, quality work it's just maybe not uh, with the same set of focuses as some of the mainstream Mm -hmm. media outlets. Yeah, well, and we don't I mean I know here we just don't have the same resources so it's um, but it's 
it's still wonderful and has its own charm and definitely has a very, very important place in society. Nicole, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, we are going to listen to a uh, episode of The F Word. Um, it looks like it was posted February 25th, and this is one that Nicole recommended, and I listened to it. I really enjoyed. And uh, there's a bit of a dearth of Aboriginal representation today, so I think it, it makes re- sense. Um, so we are going to have a Human Rights Report, RCMP, and the Aboriginal Women by The F Word. And what we'll do is I'll podcast this as a little section, but I do... Um, recommend that you check out rabble.ca and go to coop.org, uh, I believe. You can go to coopradio.org or you can go okay. to feminisms.org. Feminisms.org. Uh, org. And uh, you can check out all their programming, which is uh, really, really excellent and a joy to listen to. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks for your have time, a, Megan. Have a great afternoon. You too. This is a Rabble Podcast Network show. New voices in your head. It's Radio Free Radio. The F Word, Vancouver's explicitly feminist radio show, bringing you another perspective since 2007. Jennifer and welcome to the F Word. Um, I want to start by asking you about a group called Cop Watch and you started Downtown Eastside Cop Watch a few years ago. Can you tell me a little bit about that and your involvement with that group? Okay well like I said I'm the founder and there's a co-founder of Cop Watch and um, we're just advocates and activists in the Downtown Eastside who are survivors of police brutality and we're just sick and tired of the violence police are causing our neighborhood and decide to um, rise up and fight back. So we do street patrols, we do outreach for people, we help people get legal support, we um, work towards ending police violence in our community. And it started off with myself and Jamie Richardson, who's with the Downtown Eastside Neighborhood Council. And then we just recruited people in the community, we trained people how to do street patrols, we trained people how to do outreach. And then after a year of, of being successful in the Downtown Eastside, we um, were getting people in the West End asking us, panhandlers, to come down and start cop watch in their area to protect them from police harassment. So this year we kicked off West End Cop Watch, where we do street patrols, we talk to panhandlers, we bring them food, we collect police complaints, and um, we contact, if we get a police complaint, we either put in, depending on what kind of complaint it is, we put in a complaint to the Office of the Police Complaints Commission. When or, you say police complaint, you mean people's complaint? against the police. Yes, not yes. When, uh, yes. If someone calls us and you got beat up or harassed by the police, there's a uh, there's in Victoria the Office of the Police Complaints Commission. Was there any incident in particular that made you like eager to start a group like that? Overall, I think it was what upset me the most. I like, that I lost my respect for the downtown Eastside police is how they handled the missing murdered women case. How they turned a blind eye, let three serial killers between 1995 and 1997 go on a tearing, you know, killing spree, and you know, over 250 women have gone missing and murdered from the downtown Eastside in the last 40 years, and the police turned a blind eye to it because of the women's economic race and just who they were. They were like recovering, you know, survival sex workers, drug addicts, poor women, women of color. And so I lost a lot of my respect for the Vancouver police after that. 
and then just seeing how nothing had really changed in the last 10 years how the we'd always hear about how the police were beating up drug dealers and robbing them we'd hear about women who gotten sexually assaulted by the police like we hear these horrible stories and there was no you couldn't put in a police complaint because when you did the police would brutalize you they'd like show up and beat you up they'd intimidate you to make you drop your complaint and so we we decided like no i'm sorry this is not how policing is supposed to work and we're not going to tolerate this so I guess this Human Human Rights Watch report about the RCMP didn't come as a surprise to you. Um, so how have you and the people around you, your friends at Cop Watch and everything, um, how have you reacted to this report? We actually weren't surprised by the report. Uh, we knew RCMP, we knew police in, across Canada and especially the RCMP were physically and sexually assaulting Aboriginal women. Look at how the RCMP respond to the crisis of missing murdered Native women to begin with. They refuted even exists. They, they're not like, I mean, the Highway of Tears, it took them so long to do anything about it and the only case they took interest in, in doing was when a Caucasian woman went missing. That's when the Highway of Tears really, you know, became noticed. Um, I guess all we can really do is um, speak out about, speak out against it and we just speak out and say how we were embarrassed by the RCMP, they've become a national embarrassment to Canada, we wish they would actually disband. You can't reform the RCMP, there's, I mean, before this even happened, 200 RCMP members put in complaints about physical and sexual harassment on the job. So the RCMP aren't just like raping and beating up Native women, they're doing it to their own people. And that says something about the institution of policing in Canada. And that's something bigger that we need to get at, and we need to change the institution of policing. What do you mean when you say institution of policing? The institution of policing was invented by Caucasian men for Caucasian men. Women were never expect or you know, expected to become police officers. And then you know, it wasn't until like the 1970s, early 80s, women got to become cops. And it's an old boys club. It's a network for boys. And I, they figure, oh, we're the police. We can do what we want and get away with what they want. And as we see with the Human Rights Watch report from New York, police have gotten away with a lot of horrendous crimes. And it's, it's hypocritical. We put police in place to serve and protect us from rapists and murderers. We don't employ police to become the rapists and the murderers. Yeah, and this report says that, uh, in fact, when women, uh, particularly Aboriginal women, I guess, when they go to the police and ask for help, they don't get any help at all. No, because, um, because the same system that's oppressing them is a system you're supposed to go to to put in the complaints. That's ridiculous. Like, I couldn't believe it when Stephen Harper came out and said, well, if those women are, if the RCMP are raping those women, those women should go put in a police complaint. You're going to, the RCMP are the highest police in Canada. There's no one else to go to. So if the RCMP are beaten up and raping you, you can't put in a police complaint because you're, you're putting in a complaint about your rapist who's going to show, another rapist is going to show up and, and do the investigation on, on you know, the police who are, who are physically and sexually assaulting women. It's, 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 it's ridiculous, it's very hypocritical, and it shows that we have a crisis within policing in Canada. In the Wally Opal report, the, the BPD was the, you know, the one that came out and apologized and all this kind of thing. Um, do you think that the RCMP got off easy in that case? Um, I believe the only reason the, the VPD apologized was to save their sorry ass from being sued 
I hope they get sued in the end anyways. The RCMP at first were not going to be quick to apologize because they didn't feel they did anything wrong. But right there, the fact that you have two police organizations that refuse to take responsibility for a horrendous crime that they allowed to continue on when they had proof since 1998 that Robert Picton, you know, was like hurting women in the downtown east side and he was just one of many predators down there. The fact that they kept saying, oh, it's the RCMP's fault, no, it's the BPD's fault, really really says something about our policing when they refuse to take responsibility or accountability for their actions. And just because you said you're sorry doesn't mean that you intend on fixing the issue as to why violence, systemic violence is happening to women in the downtown east side or to women, period, in Canada. You say sorry when you step on someone's foot. Saying sorry isn't going to bring a loved one's daughter back from the dead. So the RCMP and the BPD can say sorry as much as they want, but they're the ones responsible for those missing murdered women because they turned a blind eye and allowed it to happen. Were you surprised that an international organization like Human Rights Watch took interest in a faraway place like northern BC? A little bit I was surprised, but I also think a lot of stuff is coming out like through Amnesty International about our missing murdered native women. Like There's almost close to 900 of them um, in Canada. In Canada, there's close to 900 missing murdered Aboriginal women, uh, according to Sisters in Spirit. I know Jen's Kitchen went across Canada and documented close to 300 missing murdered survival sex workers. So it's not surprising, you know, once Amnesty International got involved, that I wouldn't be surprised that you know another outreach or human rights organization would get involved. We're actually very happy and thankful that they did. And because it's organizations like that that come and highlight the violence that women in Canada are facing from our policing system. Because everyone around the world, like when I went to Ireland, England, and other countries, and I talk about our missing murdered women, people were shocked. And people didn't think that's the kind of country Canada was. They thought the RCMP were great police. Because like, Canada's done a great job of propaganda of convincing people that this is a wonderful country that fights for human rights. They fight for human rights everyone else in another country, but not their own people. And then there's the image of the RCMP on the horse with the... Um, with the yeah, with, with the red jacket and everything. Yeah. And realistically, like I said before, if we look at the RCMP, the RCMP originally started as a Northwest Mounted Police. They were put here by the Queen of England to get land from Native people. And then, you know, the residential schools came, the RCMP showed up and took people's children, put them in residential schools, the 60s scoops came, the RCMP participated in that. And then, so we're not surprised how many years later we have a whole bunch of missing murdered Native women and the RCMP are too busy twiddling their thumbs up their ass or participating in the physical and sexual assault of those women that are going missing. Because mm -hmm. right. yeah, the RCMP represent colonization and oppression to First Nations Canadians. They're not here to help us. And they've proven that. And now, see, we just, now we're just aware of the one case in the Highway of Tears. You go to Winnipeg and um, advocates out there are talking about how police out there are physically and sexually assaulting Native women on the streets. And so it'd be nice if the Human Rights Watch went across Canada and documented all RCMP cases. Because we know it's not just going on British Columbia, we know it's, it's, it's going across Canada-wide. Yeah, there seems to be a huge historical legacy to this whole thing. Like you said, the RCMP were created to take land away from, from Native people, right? Mm -hmm. So. What, what are, how would you characterize the relationship between um, the RCMP and uh, Aboriginal women today? Has it changed at all? Has it improved in any way? Or I would say the relationship of Aboriginal people and the RCMP has gotten worse, especially if they're physically and sexually assaulting us, taking us into the woods and telling us that if we you know, put in a complaint, they're going to kill us and make it look like an accident, as it came out in that Human Rights Watch. No, the relationship has gotten far worse. I mean, I, I don't know what the police were doing, you know, like back in the day. Um, I do know they were like, the, well, actually, it was actually a lot worse because then they were, um, 
in Saskatchewan areas like that, like back in the day, they were causing Aboriginal people's food to go scarce. And so they'd force Aboriginal people to signing treaties with the Crown to hand their land over. The RCMP would say to the Native people in Saskatchewan, okay, well, if you sign this, we'll make sure you get fed. But what they do is they kill off all the Native people's you know, like food resources to force them into signing their land over. And so it's not surprising how many years later you hear the same organizations now raping and beating you know, our Aboriginal women and girls. Yeah, and in response to this report, you've organized a march for next month. Tell me about it and what you hope to uh, what what you hope this will bring. Um, March fifteenth is the International Day Against Police Brutality, and it got started about sixteen years ago because police in Europe um, beat two kids to death, and it's been going ever since. And so March fifteenth, everyone around the world, advocates, activists, you know, um, anti-police organizations, get together. And they do things where they have rallies, march the streets. Some of them um, might turn to riots. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to meet on March 15th at 6 o'clock. We're meeting at Maine and Hastings. And we're um, going to have some speakers. And then we're going to march the streets to District 1. And we're going to speak out against the BPD and the RCMP about how they failed um, vulnerable communities, Aboriginal women, women of color, like you know, many people and how they refuse to change, they refuse to accept accountability, how even Copwatch has brought forth issues to get police better training and it's been um, thrown to the side. We demand meetings with the police chief to get the police better training, he's just kind of thrown us off to the side. Um, talking about right down to the professional standards section of the VPD about, or you know, actually policing in Canada, about how it's very hypocritical that you have police investigating police. And we, ha we need to get rid of the Police Act. We need, if, um, if a police officer commits a crime, what we want is, is we want the same kind of justice anyone else would get. Like if I assaulted a cop, I would go to jail. If, so we want, if a cop assaults someone, we want them to have you know, criminal charges for assault and go to jail. Not to get some um, abuse of authority under the Police Act and get one day suspension. And continue on getting promoted in, within their policing career. And so speaking about all these injustices and hypocritical... Uh, ways that policing works within Canada, but especially within our own city. Do you think Vancouver's worse? You just said Winnipeg's pretty bad. Win Winnipeg is awful. Um, Toronto, Montreal, uh, I've traveled across Canada talking to different people about, um, especially when I was doing my thing about survival, missing murder, survival sex workers. Um, Winnipeg, or Vancouver is, um, Vancouver has, like, their police are very sinister, like they're involved in sinister stuff. What do you uh, mean by that? Um, well, like we said, we believe the Vancouver police were involved, or the Vancouver police were involved in missing murdered women. Um, we know the police take drug dealers in the back alley and beat them up and rob them. Um, like, we know the police are involved in, like, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, but policing, like, in Toronto, Montreal, where the police show up and they beat you to death, like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's still police violence, but it's a different kind of police violence. Um, I remember there being a case in Toronto where um, cop watch was out there last November talking to some people and I think it was campus police where these cops showed up to arrest a guy for something he tried running away seven more cops showed up and they beat him to death in Montreal when that whole student tuition protest was going um, the Montreal police were brutal with people like one guy lost an eye people a lot of people were sent to hospital and so and there was the G8 in Toronto. Oh, yeah, and the G8 in Toronto. That was, like, the worst human rights violation within Canadian, you know, you know, per se, within Canadian history. You know, like, one of many. And so Vancouver police aren't innocent, but um, I guess if you compare them to Toronto police or Winnipeg police or Montreal, 
they're not as bad like they're not as violent that way like we don't have police in um Vancouver showing up and killing people on a regular basis like they do in Toronto, right? But our police are more involved in like robbing drug dealers. We've heard complaints from sex workers about being sexually assaulted by Vancouver police. Um, and then last year alone, Cop Watch, we got 20 police complaints. Uh, we put them through. 17 of them got in, um, in. 17 of them got accepted. I think 14 were being investigated. And so our first case, we actually lost. So we're appealing it right now. Well, you, you're doing a lot for the community, and speaking for marches, um, I was wondering if you'd attended the uh, memorial march. On yes, we did. Day. Yes, we. How was it? It was really good. Um, uh, you attended as cop watch. I attended. I, I, I attended as myself in cop watch, and I had a family member from Yukon come down, and she attended, and she does a lot of advocacy outreach, you know, against the RCMP and with Native women on the streets. And then I had some criminology students from um, Surrey come in and they participated in the Women's Memorial March with us too. And uh, it was interesting, we got to the part where we're at the courthouse and people are speaking out against the government and the police and all you see is police across the street just like glaring at the people and they start filming them. So I really liked it when the people turned around and started filming the police and fought back, saying we can, we, we can play this game too if you want to. And then um, cop watch across the street and we bumped into the police chief and then we got his picture with you know like one of the, a couple of criminology students and we were very we were very polite and tried to keep it you know like light and laughful while we're talking to him and we told him we're just here to give you a hard time he said i know you always give us a hard time and then we reminded him well we pay your paycheck and we want we want our money's worth out of you do you think that the march the memorial march did it have a different feeling to it this year now that we've had the wally opal report come out uh, so was there a different feeling to the march or I believe there was I've been participating in the missing women's memorial march for the last 10 years and when I first started it was just about like anger that the police didn't do anything about this and that the serial killer you know had been caught finally and then it was going through all this the information we're finding out what happened what you know what happened with Picton and then finally Picton was you know convicted and then so then that emotions came out and still how the police and government failed and then the missing inquiry came missing women's inquiry happened how a lot of people thought it was a sham and then now that that's all gone you can feel where people are, are starting to like heal and I don't want to say move on but we're I can really feel like we're not stuck where we were 10 years ago in this place of like just anger and um, rage against the system because the system failed and let women die on the streets like we're still angry about that but it's not the same kind of anger it's more like a anger that motivates us that now we're going to go get change a lot of people uh, were upset by Wally Opal's report but you seem to view it in a more positive light I'm just really happy that a lot of stuff came out. I'm really, um, I mean, I admit the, I do admit the inquiry was a joke, but a lot of things came out that the public and we didn't know before. Like we didn't know that the uh, missing women's task force was too busy watching porn and drinking beer to look for our missing women. We didn't know that the head lady who um, of the RCMP, Catherine Guilford, was being sexually harassed at work by the same police who were investigating Robert Picton. We didn't know the Vancouver police were, um, you know, busy watching porn on, you know, on the computers and, you know, handing it around to their coworkers instead of caring about our, our vulnerable women. We didn't know that um, the police within the Vancouver police within the VPD viewed sex workers as scum of the earth. Like a lot, it's finally like we might have known that, but we never had any proof to prove it. So now it finally came out, and then the recommendations came out, and. Um, Unfortunately, how it seems to work in Canada is that you need to have a report saying what's wrong and it needs to be done by the right people in government before you get change. Like you can go to the government and say, I got 100,000 people, you know, dying on the streets. And they could be, well, there's no proof to prove that. 
And so until you come with this like report and all these statistics and proof of what's going on, there never seems to be any change. It's like banging your head against a wall. But yet in a way the inquiry in a way is kind of a joke because you do get this report, right? And you get all the stuff that finally comes out, the truth comes out, you get all these recommendations. But unless the public pushes for them, the report just collects dust and the recommendations just fall to the side. So I do see right away some of the recommendations have been put in place, like um, so Wish Women's Drop-In Center has gotten money to continue on longer hours. The police are looking at putting together a regional police force. I'm not really sure what that will look like. Um, are you being consulted for putting together this regional police force? No, I don't want to be consulted either. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't really. I. I don't. Um, we deal with victims of police brutality. We don't. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to empower more police <laughs> within you know within the city and communities. But we do know organizations like Van Do are um, looking at the report and challenging about how police are over ticketing and giving like arresting people on you know ridiculous warrants. And so that was brought up in the report about um, Wally Opal suggested that they have to find a way to quit arresting women for warrants and quit giving out tickets to people. Um, because once a woman has a warrant for her arrest, it puts her life in danger. So she'll run away from the police and she'll put herself in um, dangerous situations where predators will take advantage of her. And then when she does get hurt, she can't call the police because she's got a warrant for her arrest. You call the police because you got raped, the police arrest you for your warrant. Right. So, so the report is going to change that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, other things like a, a report came out um, a year ago with the city of Vancouver about how to deal with prostitution in the community. And they came up with great recommendations too, like to find ways to help women get off the streets, get their get pardons quicker, get the criminal records dealt with, get um, safe affordable housing, get access to the education system. And this is stuff I've been yelling about for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And do you think these recommendations are being implemented fast enough or are we spending too much money and too much time on reports and statistics? I think it's a bit of both and I think it takes time and I really what I really believe and I keep saying is that it, it takes it takes the community or, or you know yeah the people of society per se to put the pressure like to read the report and put the pressure on the various parts of government and police to make sure those things are put through. So you seem pretty optimistic Angry but optimistic. Yeah. Is that a good way to characterize? You'd be angry about injustice, but you have hope that it's going to get better because if you don't, you're just going to end up um, being becoming jaded and, and yeah, giving up. That's great. And how do you hope the um, the Human Rights Watch report? Do you hope that's going to change? Things? Well, we how, hope how can it we hope that as a result of this, now that people see what's going on with the RCMP in Canada, that it'll, it'll push for a national and but or inquest into Aboriginal missing murdered women, which is they've been pushing forever and ever. And uh, what keeps you going then? I think just determination and a passion for social justice and human rights. And I'm actually a fourth generation human rights advocate. Um, so it, I think I think fighting for human rights is just in the blood. It just It's just natural. That's great. Well, we're, we're lucky to have someone like you. Thanks for talking to us today, Jen. Oh, thank you for your time. And that was an episode from the F Word Human Rights Report, RCMP and Aboriginal Women, and women in general. And uh, one of the things they say is, uh, yeah, the RCMP as a place for white men by white men. And I don't think you can underestimate the potential harm and the potential impact, even if not harm, of the structural 
patriarchy of our institutions. Now, that's not to say that every man uh, is inherently harmful, and that's not to say that every man is not a feminist. All men are pretty much affected by patriarchy. Um, they are told how to be men, where to be men, well, how they have to interact with women, which is often very damaging to both parties, and um, anyone who doesn't conform to those standards is damaged. So uh, to be a feminist and to talk about uh, patriarchal structures is not to hate on men. They're being affected too. And so if you're out there listening in male or female, uh, questioning the structures that you live under is healthy, uh, no matter your gender or identification. So uh, that was uh, the F Word Media Collective, which airs uh, on co-op radio. You can check them out at feminisms.org. Up next, we have the episode of Wings called Raging Grannies. And Wings is the Women's International News Gathering Service, which is produced uh, at SFU's CJSF 90.1, my alma mater, uh, SFU, Simon Fraser University. And they are also syndicated on co-op, CFRO, and work syndicated on uh, CITR and will be again, I'm sure. Um, but we had a, a, a real amazing grid shakeup over the past year. Um, but uh, they're a great show. And so we are going to play their episode, Raging Grannies, coming up next after the break. Stay tuned. News 101. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. What motivated you to become a candidate in the provincial election? The media portrayal of last week's protest that resulted in polarizing images of black-clad activists taking to the streets. He was just explaining to us the reason why they wanted to show this film on campus. The official stance is that we are for the Olympics. News 101 reporter Brad Pepping was there. By discriminating against homeless people in Vancouver, there's a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal people as well as people with disabilities. I was pretty outraged. I mean, it is outrageous. In-depth coverage from an alternative perspective. News 101 is Vancouver's only live, volunteer-produced student and community newscast, bringing you local, national, and international news from an alternative perspective. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 5 p.m. right here on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Live streaming and podcasts are available online at citr.ca. Hello, I'm Wilson. I'm Carmita. You're listening to CITR 101.9. Happy 75th birthday, CITR. (laughs) 